0: Welcome to the Blacknificent Life Podcast with your host, Sister Dr. Mongaza, Michael Bondale. Join us now as we showcase lessons from Black achievement as example and instruction for how you can live greatly. So welcome, welcome to the Blacknificent Life Podcast with Sister Dr. Mongaza. It is in this space where we celebrate historic and everyday examples of Black beauty, power, and genius in a world trained not to see. You see, we are here to remind you of the pure joy you can experience in being exactly who you are. Our intention is to use lessons from Black Achievement as instruction for learning thinking skills and action habits for producing a magnificent, indeed a black magnificent life. Most importantly, we invite you, our listeners, into a knowing of Black Achievement as a launching pad that informs and activates your own greatness. And on this podcast today, uh, get ready for a treat. We have an award-winning speaker, author, business, personal, and executive coach who specializes in, you're listening, procrastination prevention. After delivering executive training to automotive leaders for many years, he has committed his expertise to a publication titled The Discipline of Now. Now, like No Procrastination, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination. Let me just tell you a little bit about the book, which will also be a reflection of who he is. This book teaches proven practical principles for maximizing your time, minimizing your stress, and breaking the procrastination habit so that you can accomplish your goals, so that you can achieve your dreams. He is also the host of the 30-Minute Hour podcast and also very available on YouTube. I want you to know the author, again, Eric M. Twiggs. He's been waiting all his life to help you unleash your unlimited power. Welcome, Eric Twiggs.
1: Oh, thank you for having me on your show. It's certainly an honor.
0: Well, we'll just have to trade honors here because we are delighted that you are our guest for this particular podcast, so you're the discipline of now, you you wrote this book some years ago. You put it together in a format that includes wonderful exercises. I'm I'm a you know longtime educator, and so the learning process and the methods for learning are very significant in my reading. And you have really given folks some exercises. Some, some conceptual theories, some practices that they can hold on to that I think will make a big difference in the world of procrastination prevention. So talk yeah. to us a little bit, if you would, Eric, just about how did you get to the discipline of now? What was it that had a brother write a book that talks about not procrastinating? Give us some insight.
1: Great question. So it really started for me, this whole journey back when I was in college, and I talk about this in the book. Uh, it was my senior year. I'm in college. I'm at Hampton University. And I'm talking to a really good friend of mine, my fraternity brother, Donnell. So Donnell and I, we were a little different. Donnell was about his purpose and I was about the party. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and we're talking and he's saying, Eric, you know, you really need to get serious. Stop wasting time. And I'm like, Donnell, come on. We have plenty of time for that. We have plenty of time to think about the future. Are you coming to the party with me or not? And so we, did, we hadn't talked in a while. And then I, I got a phone call from his mother informing me of the fact that Donnell was tragically killed in a car accident.
0: Oh my, okay.
1: It, that changed everything. It, it really changed how I thought about time. And it made me realize that we don't have the time we think to do what we need to do or leave the legacy that we want to leave. And that, that's really what started the journey. And I really started... Paying closer attention to time, and then just throughout my career experiences, I ended up at a point where I wrote the book, The Discipline of Now.
0: Tell us what is it that you, a person who has had quite a career and that um, appears to be doing pretty good in life, you know, you talk in the book about how you had risen up the corporate ladder how you had actually were making good income. So I'm assuming that inside of that context and those responsibilities, you had pretty much mastered this way of being in terms of on time and without procrastination. Would, would that be a, a, the correct assumption there?
1: Well, I would say it's a discipline. And okay. it's one, it's one of those things that can get away from you very easily. And I don't think anyone, myself included, can get to the point where we feel like we've got it all mastered, and I, I've like, my big thing to this mm-hmm. day is perfectionism. Okay. Right. It took me so from the time that I got this feeling that I should be speaking to groups and writing a book, writing books, mm-hmm. to the time I actually started, it was a three-year window. Oh my. Okay. That's right. Your procrastination prevention partner was procrastinating. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you are an expert in many ways. <laughs>
1: right. I'm an expert because I personally have done it. <laughs> okay. So okay. but what happened? I was a perfectionist and, and I have to really to this day watch myself because I wanted to have everything figured out before I moved forward. I said, Okay, I want to be a motivational speaker, but who's gonna to listen to me? What can I say that hasn't been said already? who's going to bring me in and pay me to talk to their group. And because I didn't have everything all worked out, I didn't move. Here's what I learned from that. Here's what I learned. This is very important for the listeners. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can't allow perfect to become the enemy of progress.
0: Say that again. One more time.
1: You can't allow perfect to become the enemy of progress.
0: Amen to that. Amen. I want you to repeat that for all of our, you know, perfect minded, um, maybe Virgos, maybe otherwise, <laughs> that really, really place a lot of value on getting it quote unquote right. And there is the underside to that, which you're pointing, you are pointing to.
1: So again, just to really emphasize this, this is so important. You can't allow perfect to become the enemy of progress. You just well, here's what I found too. What that did you find? when you actually start moving, the, the next steps start to reveal themselves. So when I, when I started taking small steps in the direction of what I wanted to do, all of a sudden the next steps became clear. And But I wouldn't have seen it if I had just stayed in place.
0: So it may be not so much that you are serving yourself by standing still and making sure what you have inside your um, your your line of vision is what you would call perfect, but rather move and see what else is presenting itself to you that could serve you even more towards your journey uh, in accomplishing your goal. Would that be accurate?
1: Yeah, that is accurate. And, and one, one thing I found is like once you're when you really make a commitment, that's when the help shows up. It, it's I can't explain it. But when, when you really decide in your mind that this is what I'm going to do, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how I'm going to do it, but I'm just going to move in that direction. You, you'll you find like I, just a, a, an example. So I when I made the decision, I met someone who was in Toastmasters International. OK. The, the okay. speaking group. And they were, hey, you know, you need to come to Toastmasters that will really help you out. Mm-hmm. And then I joined Toastmasters. And then when I was in Toastmasters, I met one of the members who happened to train people who wanted to become professional speakers.
0: Okay.
1: And then I started working with him. And then as as I'm working with him, I meet someone who's in the National Speakers Association. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know what? If you really want to take it to the next step, you have to come join the National Speakers Association. And it just step by step by step. And here we are talking today.
0: In other words, when the student is ready, the teacher does appear.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Like so... That sounds like a cliche, but it, I found it to be very true oh, in my life. Wisdom.
0: Absolutely. Yes. I agree with that. I concur. So now talk to us. You you cover such a, a broad span of topics, some of which people would not immediately think that they coincide or align or intersect this notion of procrastination. So it's very, very comprehensive. I'm saying that to our audience so that you will know that this book really has a holistic approach to the notion of procrastination and offers you just such tools and insights. I know you're going to want to get it. So let me just give the website out now. That's www.ericmtwigs.com is where you can gather the book. You can purchase the book. It's also on Amazon. Am I missing any other places, Eric?
1: Yeah, they can go directly to the website. But again, it is all, you can go directly to amazon.com and pick it up as well.
0: So either of those two those two outlets yes so listen you teach people how to squash procrastination and doing that one of the things you point to is the link between innovation and preparation innovation and preparation so there's something in there that says you can do your best when you give yourself time and you prepare so talk to us a bit about the link between innovation and preparation
1: yes so I, you know, I talk to people all the time that say, well, Eric, you don't understand. I work better under pressure.
0: Right. We hear
1: and that. Yeah. I call that justification for procrastination. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, But a lot of times procrastination is a silent killer. And we don't really understand that, especially like if you're doing something innovative, it takes time for your ideas to develop. And so if you wait until the last minute the product isn't going to be as good. So in the book, I actually created a, a matrix. I call it the creativity matrix. Mm-hmm. And so for example, just so, so the reader should really see where they are, like if they've got a big project. So for example, if the a deadline urgency, the first box of the matrix, if the deadline urgency is high, the creativity is low, right? Because you're just trying to get finished at that point. You trying to throw something together and then you have in the, the next box. So if you just picture this, it's the next box is like in the bottom left corner. The mm-hmm. deadline urgency is low and your creativity is high. That's ideally where you want to be, where you have time. Like when you start early and again, it goes back to what I said earlier that you, once you make that commitment, that's when help and ideas and things like that start coming your way. So even so even if you know the presentation is two months away, if you start early
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and then you stop, and then when you start again, you find that more ideas start to come to you and you you give yourself your ideas a chance to incubate. So then so the third box, when the deadline urgency is high and your creativity is high, that's that's a good place to be from the standpoint of you put so much so many years of practice that you can like, you know, I know ministers, for example, that can be called on to speak at a church at the last minute, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but they've, they've been preparing for this moment. They're always practicing. Mm-hmm. So you don't get ready. You stay ready when, when you're in this quadrant, but that takes some some development. And then if the deadline urgency is low and your creativity low, that was probably that, that. that's not a good box to be in. Uh, so, so the big takeaway is give your ideas time to incubate. I know you think you work better under pressure, but it's much better to start early.
0: And one way of knowing that, of, of discovering that could be trying it, trying it. Now, like yes. oftentimes I hear uh, people, students, people who have work projects underway say that because that's all that they know. And they seem to be able to just, you know, make it over the line in operating by operating in that way. But if you try something a little different, you might be a uh, Really surprised. I agree with you Mm -hmm. that that and the impact of the stress that you avoid. Say just a bit about that. You talked about um, how stress affects the body. How well you you said it better than I could in this moment. So, what is the relationship between stress and procrastination?
1: Oh, it's huge. So, let's say you have a presentation that's Mm -hmm. due in thirty days. So, you're feeling stress about the presentation. How am I going to do? You know, you know am I going to get criticized? And then you start procrastinating. So, so you start looking for relief. So, so part of the reason in that scenario that you're procrastinating is you're looking for you, you're looking to relieve the anxiety. Mm-hmm. That's why you start checking your email, checking Facebook, so you start cleaning off your desk. You, you're looking for that release from the stress that you feel. But the problem is the procrastination causes you to feel more, even more stress. Because the deadline is looming and then you're starting to beat yourself up. So, so it's like, almost like a double whammy. Mm-hmm. And, and we, when you start earlier and then when you know, there's just a level of confidence you have as a speaker, for example, or presenter, when you know you've done all the preparation you could possibly do, you have a level of confidence. Mm-hmm. You don't feel as much anxiety
0: feels better and it presents better. People pick up that. People sense that frequency of confidence and you get to really enjoy what you previously referred to and considered work. That's the experience I've I've had, that it moves out of the category of, oh oh my, this is something I have to do to, oh my goodness, I can't wait running towards this thing because I know I'm going to nail it. Right. So now there are some people in our audience who, as astute as our listeners are, may not be so sure as to whether or not they're procrastinators. I mean, they hit it out the park sometimes, sometimes they don't, but there's always good reasons, Eric. Come on, work with a sister. Now, <laughs> how, how do you know if you're a procrastinator? You had some really great questions, some things to look at to just kind of help folks identify this is operating in their lives, perhaps not fully distinguished,
1: well, the, the bottom line is when you're putting off those things that you know you need to be doing, when, when you're putting off doing those things that you know are vital to your success and vital to you moving forward, Maybe the, because sometimes like we confuse prudence with procrastination. You can't confuse the two hmm. Mm-hmm. So, for example, there is a period of time where you should be doing research, especially like, for example, you get an idea to start a business. There's a, a period of time where you need to do your research. You need to understand the customer demographics. Right. You, you need to really do research. That's not procrastinating. OK. But when you get to a point where you've done the research, but you know, you need to take the next step. You know, you need to move and you're not. That's when it starts to be called procrastinating.
0: You might be a procrastinator, now this is what you've written in your book. You might be a procrastinator if I love these. If you find yourself praying to get through this particular deadline, (laughs) and just let me get through the day, just you know this time, and then you find yourself repeating that same prayer over and over again.
1: Right. I'm
0: just saying. Yeah. Uh You might be a procrastinator, according to Eric Twiggs, if due dates occur to you as simply suggestions, right? You know, you you might be a procrastinator if you really embrace this concept of arriving at events fashionably late. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you're the person who waits to buy gifts, you, you know, the birthday comes at the same day at the same time every year, but you wait to buy the gifts. You're the one late to weddings, perhaps even your wedding. And you're always rushing and forgetting things. And of course, it's never your fault. It's the traffic and it's, you know, other variables. So that's just a little check off that you get to review inside the book to help you determine, is this part of who I am? Not like that's all of who you are, but if that's some aspect of how you operate, this is a good way to just look at and determine how you can shift some of that behavior that you may not want to embrace. One of the things I really like about the book, again, Eric, are the exercises. There are exercises for just about almost every chapter. And so you get to actually make lists. You get to do comparisons. You get to sit, review, and give some thought about what you really, really want. That brings me to this chapter on clarity. Yes. Just getting clear about what you want. What is the impact of clarity on preventing procrastination?
1: Well, like I always say, and I say this in the book, that clarity is the starting point of success. And many times we, the reason we don't move or, or we don't have that sense of urgency is because we're really not clear on where we want to go and what, what it is that we want to do. So, and So in the book, I actually have some exercises. So it's stop, read, act. And I've got those sections labeled in the book. And I have you go through different exercises. One, one of the exercises to really help you to gain clarity is your deathbed self. I know it sounds morbid, but it, your deathbed self. So sometimes if we we're trying to decide, hey, is this something that I should do? What would you, if you were, you have to kind of picture, go to the future. Let's say you're on your deathbed. What would you say to yourself? Would you advise that you move forward with that? Not because a lot, not of- Eric.
0: Not Eric. Yes. I don't, I don't want to consider. I'm, I'm being the devil's advocate here. I don't uh, want to consider my death. I, you know, come on now. You said it might be a little more, but yeah, I, I think I kind of agree. So, I mean, you know, really, my deathbed is there anything more or different I might do to just get at how it is I can I can move gain clarity in my life to help this procrastination. How well, there is.
1: But, but here's the thing, though, mm-hmm. like when they interview people that are near the end of their life, they tend to regret the actions they didn't take more than the, the action they took, but didn't work out Got it. So the whole point is getting to a different perspective. Mm-hmm. When you're in the perspective, when you fast forward to the future, you're, you're looking at it from the standpoint of, you know what, life is about taking risks and, and moving forward. And so you'll, you'll be more likely to move forward and take that risk if you look at it. from You know, it sounds morbid, but you, you'll be uh, more likely to take the risk.
0: And if one of our listeners had that kind of response, the reason that I wanted to be the devil's advocate is because that in itself is an indication that mm, your inclination to move away from what's different or to move into a zone that is less than comfortable might not be serving you. So, so yeah, we, we will die. We will need mm-hmm. to leave here. And here's an opportunity to step into an uncomfortable consideration, uncomfortable thought pattern that may actually deliver you some unforeseen results and value. So step into the unknown, which is a part yes. of the process, which is part of the process. Go right ahead.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, so no, that, that's it. And you were talking about some other exercises. Uh, I have another exercise in the book where it's, it's your 90th birthday and okay. they're having a banquet in your honor okay so really think about who's there you know what when they get up to talk what are mm-hmm. they saying about you yes. what, what are they saying that you accomplished what
0: are they saying about you mm-hmm. with the balloons come on now vision with right you. <laughs> right yeah visualize we got, balloons. We got right. ribbons dangling from the ceiling you in your <laughs> finest where are the right. people in your life up there your legacy is sitting right.
1: around you, so, exactly, so, uh huh. And then what yeah. do you do? What do you do? So, so the, the key to is I would visualize in as much detail as you can, which I'm glad you understand that. Yeah, Absolutely. get as detailed as possible. What are they wearing? Who's there? And the, and think about what is it that you that you think they should be saying about you, and then you can kind of work work backwards. Again, it's another exercise to fast forward to the future, get yourself out of your your current perspective, and it it really can help to gain clarity as far as where you want to go.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. We're talking about the book, The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination, written by Eric M. Twiggs. We have the honor of having him on our podcast today, and he's just dropping this wisdom, dropping these nuggets, and on this podcast, you get to pick them up, put them in your pocket, put them in your breast pocket, your back pocket, carry them with you as you, continue on your journey to create the greatest life, the magnificent life, indeed the magnificent life that is wholly possible. So listen, Eric, mm. talk to me a bit about what you begin to frame in chapter three. You talked about a study that was done that showed how when there are skydivers on the plane about to jump, that they measured their heart rates and they found something very, very interesting. What was that?
1: Yeah so what they found was that the their heart rate they, they they tracked at what point did the heart rate peak and they found that the skydiver's heart rate peaked right before they were about to jump out of the plane mm-hmm. and that when it, when they were actually in the air yeah. their heart rate went down
0: so <laughs> so the <laughs> so the heart rate elevated right before the action Right, dropped, were lowered, became leveled as the person was actually descending.
1: Right. So, so here's the big takeaway: mm-hmm. they were more afraid of what might happen than what did happen. So, say that again. Say that again. They were more afraid of what might happen mm-hmm. than what did happen. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. go ahead. Uh, go ahead.
0: No, no, no. You and your book talk about these. You, you, you put a name on them. You call these disaster fantasies.
1: <laughs> right. Right. But, but think about it. Your mm-hmm. fears are always in your future. They're not in your present reality mm-hmm. because most fears, most things you're afraid of start off with what if, what if this presentation doesn't go well? What if I score a low, low grade on this test? Mm-hmm. What if, so your fears, you know, if, if, the, if people can remember their fears aren't in their present reality, it, it really changes the perspective and lets you know that you can make different decisions to help you to move forward.
0: And it really points to the power of the mind, yes. the power of our focus, the power of our intentions. We are always at power. We always are creating our reality, and it can be whatever we choose to be once we have that level of awareness. That's what you're pointing to.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, that the, the theme of the book is awareness. Yes. I think that's like the general theme that really, I, my hope is that the reader, when they, after they turn that last page, their, their awareness is heightened mm-hmm. to what's triggering them to procrastinate and what's in their environment and what are the times that they find themselves procrastinating and what they can do to overcome.
0: Now, Eric, we're talking primarily to this audience. We're talking to Black folks. Let's, let's get down deep up in it, okay? I want you to talk a bit. You don't talk about this in your book, uh, this notion of CP time. When I met you, I saw you at an event and I jumped up and down. And I don't know if you remember, I said to you, you are the answer to my dreams. And I said that to you because the conversation that we often have inside of Black communities makes it okay to be late. It makes it okay not to come on time, not to even expect the event to begin at the time that it was published, that it would start. And we have a level of comfortability there. And you know, I love my people, don't, you know, no one here in this get it twisted. And I love us so much that I know that when we keep our word, we are our strongest. So this is a conversation about keeping our word. Talk to us about CP time, color people's time.
1: Yeah, that that can be a cultural thing, so remember you were yeah, talking about <laughs> yeah, right. so remember you were reading from an exp- an earlier excerpt that you might be a procrastinator if
0: yes, mm-hmm.
1: so so that that's a humorous take on the fact that a lot of times we have different perceptions of time. so some people, yeah, you know, due dates are a suggestion, like I said mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. some some people if you say it starts at nine o'clock the one person it could mean i need to be there at eight fifty in case there's traffic you know the another person that means nine-ish so nine nine ten nine fifteen mm-hmm. so so you have these different perspectives and that's why especially like within a relationship it helps to kind of understand the other person's perception of time and, and that and that can alleviate a lot of frustration mm-hmm. so within a, a relationship between the two of you mm-hmm. right but but i, I think it's Sometimes there's hidden, there, there's consequences. Again, if, if you're on CP time in the wrong environment, there's consequences. I mean, like, especially, in, and I've seen this in a work situation. You know, I talk about this in the book. There's always that person who, if the meeting starts at nine, they come in five after, 10 after looking disheveled, And maybe nobody really says anything to them. So they think it's okay. But when it comes down to getting, comes time to get promoted, I never overheard executives saying, hey, let's promote Gary in accounting who's always late.
0: You know, the other thing, um, because the Black Live podcast is focused on supporting folks, supporting us and actually creating the life experience that we want. This subject of timeliness, of not procrastinating, of being on time, it has everything to do with how well, how quickly, how efficiently we reach our goals. And so for us at The Complex, it's critical as one, a representation of integrity. To be able to say you will do something and then do it as you've said it is a first step and a foundational step to creating what you want. And nothing controls your body movement and your mind but you unless you give that control away. And so... I like to use the notion of being on time, the lessons of being on time, the development of the discipline as, as a first step for, particularly for young people, because when you create that habit, you really get to see what's on the other side of the coin that may not be as readily available in some cultural community. So your work occurs to me as extraordinarily important as we move from C.P. time, because that also could stand for conquered people time. There's other acronyms um, (laughs) that that could represent that don't serve the Black community. And so this is a a piece that actually gives you a banister, if you will, as you're climbing. It gives you support. It allows you to take on particular particular self-development exercises to get us to the point, to get each of us to the point where we are our word. And I don't know if there's anything more important than being able to project, speak, and walk into the vision that you imagine. For me, it's a matter of being responsible for your own life. Um, The mastermind, as we're talking about community, you have information in your book that underscores accountability partners. See, this is where I think we have an opportunity to really support each other, be community, collaborate, connect, as accountability partners, as masterminds. We'll talk a bit about that.
1: Oh, I think that's huge because one thing I've learned in life is that behavior is contagious.
0: Yes.
1: So, and, you know, they've done studies to say that and the, the typical person, their income is the combined average of the three people they spend the most time with.
0: Say that one more time, one more time.
1: The typical person's income is the combined average of the three people they spend the most time around.
0: So listen, right now, here in this time, at this space, I encourage our podcast listeners to just write down the names of the the three people that you associate with. Just write them down as we continue with this this particular conversation. I want you to absolutely look and see if that holds true for those three people and you. Great exercise, great exercise. Mm -hmm. So accountability partners are critical.
1: Oh, they it's very critical. So in the book, I, I bre- kind of break it down based on a person. There's certain personality types where it's even more critical. There's certain people that are more externally motivated to do things than they are internally. So if you're that person, it helps to have someone you know who's going to hold you accountable. For example, it could be if you know you need to be working out on a certain schedule, having a, a fitness coach or a fitness instructor meet you at a certain time, at a certain place can help you because you know that person's going to be holding, holding your feet to the fire. Mm-hmm. But I, I think accountability is critical. And I also think it's, it's very, it's huge. It's very important that people are seeking out mentors, mm-hmm. someone who has the result that you want.
0: And mentors can be people. They could be other resources. There, there's so much available in terms of assistance and support. Talk about the, um, apps. You mentioned a number of apps. You mentioned, um, uh, the velvet rope test. I mean, there's just so, your book is chock full of like, turn to the right and the left. You, you got more than you need right here. Talk, talk about the velvet rope test. What is that?
1: So the red, the red velvet rope is just kind of a, a, a way to look at like your priorities and, you know, does, does it pass the, the red velvet rope test? You know, like if you go to like an event and a lot of the times there's a, a red velvet rope that keeps you from getting on the other side.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. How does this relate to your, your specific goal, uh, that, what you're trying to accomplish? So, I mean, it, it can be something as simple as if you go to the grocery store and you're, you're on a strict diet. Does the Twix with the Twix candy bar pass the red velvet rope <laughs> test?
0: <laughs> oh, that doggone Snickers! That M and M, right, it's right, blinking and blinking at you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right,
1: yeah. How how does that line up with with your fitness goal? Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. You know, preventing procrastination means saying yes to many things, but it also means saying no. Yes. You talk in chapter six about the failure to say no. What 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 do you mean by that?
1: Well, it's like I say, the more you say yes, the more you'll have stress. (laughs) The
0: more you say yes, hmm, the more you have stress. Okay, go ahead.
1: Just very important. And I, I talk about it in the book. I was working with someone, and they were literally the president of their sorority chapter, the vice president of the PTA. They were active in the homeowners association. So they were too busy to meet with me to overcome their procrastination problem. Right. And, but that's because we're saying yes to things that don't line up with our goal. You know, so I talk about the top 10 reasons that we fail to say no.
0: I love these reasons, by the way. I love, love, <laughs> love. I just saw faces. That came up, including my own. Right. For each of these 10 reasons.
1: So I, I, can, go through, I can go through a few. Either
0: of them. you or I, because you know I got them.
1: Okay.
0: (laughs) So, why don't I go through them and then you you can respond to them? Hurt somebody's feeling? I I I won't say no because I I don't want to hurt their feelings.
1: That that's very common, you know. And and really, what I and what I found is that people respect you when they Mm -hmm. understand that Mm -hmm. you've got certain boundaries. And the other thing is, and I mentioned this in the book, you have you can position this so that you're saying no to the request not to the person. Right. It's not it's a personal not, thing.
0: It, 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 it just, it doesn't. In the
1: book. Exactly. There's the
0: language, just so useful. So helpful. You don't have to figure out the words. They're there for you. Mm-hmm. How about for those who say, I, you know, I really don't want to pass up this opportunity.
1: Right. They say, you know what? Maybe I'll never get this opportunity. But see, here's the thing: like success breeds opportunity. Mm-hmm. But not every opportunity is the right fit. So that the challenge is, as you become more successful, more people are going to be asking you to do things. That's mm-hmm. just that's just the way it is. So it, it helps to. I talk about this in the book. It helps to make a no list, mm-hmm. with, where you you're thinking a step ahead. Mm-hmm. So you're you're making a list of things that, if asked, you're going to say no. Like for for me, for example, I'm mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. I'm in my graduate chapter of my fraternity. Being the president of the chapter is on my no list because I know I don't have the time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to really get to do it like it needs to be done.
0: And and thinking about a no list, actually, you get ahead of possibilities that are coming your way. Right. Yeah. So you don't get, you don't get startled. You don't get taken. You don't have someone to come and offer you something and be taken in the moment by, oh my God, they'd like me to, to, to do that. You really have thought about it and you can give the response that really serves you. How about the person who says, well, let me just do this because it might lead to something better. Same kind of thing, right? Don't pass the opportunity.
1: Well, right, right. This this could lead to something bigger, but you really have to think about what is your ultimate goal? How does it relate to your goal? And the the other thing I've found is that it always takes more time out of your schedule than you think. You almost have to like multiply by two. Like if, you, if you think it's going to take an hour a day, just plan on taking at least two hours a day.
0: Let's give them one more, Eric. And then, you know, folks can, can see the entire list once they pick up the book. This is one that I find very, I hear a lot. Um, they, they, they might not ask me again.
1: Yeah, that, that's an interesting one. because And some of that is in company culture. I've worked with certain companies where if you turn down a promotion, it was thought that they would put your name at the bottom of the list, but you can phrase your no in a way that says, right now, this isn't the best opportunity, but please keep me in mind for future consideration.
0: Again, another example of how you provide the language, you provide a script for how to communicate what you are saying in a way that doesn't offend and is very clear that it's the opportunity, it's the offer that I'm unfortunately not able to take advantage of. And I certainly appreciate you for providing this opportunity.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just being clear on those words and mm-hmm. starting with the positive in each of the examples that, hey, thank you for thinking of me. Wow, mm-hmm. that sounds like an interesting project. It, it, makes it, it makes it much easier to say no and stay on course.
0: There's something, as we're winding down here, that you have developed that you refer to as a procrastination prevention pyramid. Yes. A five-level structure here that you use to do some awesome focused work. Talk, talk about
1: that a bit. So the procrastination prevention pyramid, it's a model that I created. So I've done over 28,000 coaching sessions. And hey, wait a minute, hold,
0: exec- on, hold on, Eric, hold on. How many? Over
1: 28,000 coach, coaching sessions oh, okay. with executives and entrepreneurs.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. Right ahead.
1: And so I've, I've just broken it down to these different levels. If you really want to overcome procrastination, so you, you start at the base level of the procrastination prevention pyramid is your attitude, and then it works up from there. Awareness, animation, automation, and then activity is at the top.
0: I hear structure and systems here. I hear and read in your book the opportunity to actually create processes, not like you're waking up every day and having to figure out something newly, but to create structures in your life that will support your being a person who does not procrastinate, that gets things done on time and ahead of time. So systems are very, very important, very valuable.
1: Yeah, and that's, you bring up a good point because the more you have systems, the less you have to rely on your willpower.
0: Right, right, right. And that's one reason that I really appreciate it. You talked about, you talk about so many things, but one of the things as a baby boomer, you talked about the apps, ways to automate Mm -hmm. day-to-day so that you avoid this procrastination business. You talk about the relationship between exercise and procrastination, Um, the relationship between even the time you go to bed, like sleep management, Mm -hmm. all of that impacts procrastination or not. Yes. And so to draw the links, to make the connections, to allow folks to understand the relationship between uh, procrastination and and how you feel, how you actually feel is for me, you know, a health enthusiast, extremely important because there is a direct connection. It's very difficult to be at your best in any arena of life if you don't just feel well. And then finally, you talk about knowing your numbers, knowing your numbers, the amount of time, the amount of effort that you spend to reach your goals. Can you just orient our audience to understanding the significance of keeping track?
1: Absolutely, so that's in the, on the activity part of the pyramid, and I've got activity at the okay. top because you can't get to the top without taking action. So, but no, I talk about the numbers because when it's a question of math, it takes the emotion out of it, right? So mm-hmm. let's say you work in sales. Oh, I don't really feel like making calls. But if you know the math says that for every 10 calls, I make a sale. So if I make 50 calls, that means I can have five sales. Mm-hmm. That's just math. It's math. So if you can't get, can't get mad at math. It's just math. So if you know your numbers, you'll be more likely to take, even it could be something like if you're looking for another job that, hey, every 15 resumes I send out, I get a call for an interview. Mm-hmm. So if I send out 45 resumes, chances are I'm going to get three calls. So when you know what your numbers are, it makes it easier for you to take action
0: and the good thing is that this kind of of data has been collected it's been analyzed and synthesized you can google and find out you know essentially what the norms are what the averages are Mm -hmm. and, and govern yourself accordingly having the numbers know your numbers the amount of time the amount of effort that it takes to reach your goal that in and of itself gives you a perspective it allows you to make projections It forewarns you of the the level of energy that you'll need, like how many of those green drinks you're going to have to really drink (laughs) to be on your A game and to reach your goal. And, And so finally, I just want you to know how much we appreciate your efforts above and beyond what you have written, above and beyond what you do from day to day. We are just here at the complex, we just so appreciate the fact that you listened clearly along the way. You listened to the, the stirring in your heart and in your head and you responded to what you knew. No one else could have told you this, to what you knew you were supposed to be contributing to this world. And we're just excited to have you and to have the book and to have your work amongst us because that gives us. More assurance that we absolutely are supported in reaching our goals. Before we end the interview today, Eric, I want to just ask you a couple of questions, just a couple of questions. You know, you're at the complex, you're on the Magnificent Life podcast show. Tell me, Eric, what does living a Magnificent Life mean to you and your work to overcome procrastination?
1: For me, so my definition of leading a magnificent life would be where, where where I'm doing the very best I can to be the best version of myself. Yes. Where I'm I'm maximizing my potential. For example, I saw an interview with Kobe Bryant, the mm-hmm. late Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. and the uh, the reporter asked him hey, you've been comparing yourself to Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan had six championships. You only won five. Do you regret that? And Kobe told him, told the reporter, no, I have no regrets because I know that every night before the game, I did everything humanly possible to make it a reality. So I have no regrets. I did everything humanly possible. And so that's For me, that's what a magnificent life is all about. I know within myself that I am doing everything humanly possible to reach my potential.
0: I love it. I absolutely love it. We all know that when you put your best foot forward, when you stay focused, when you listen to that internal voice, when you pay attention, when you take the action, when you wake up knowing what your plan is, when you go to sleep planning what you're going to do the next day, then it's very probable that you're going to hit your target in the bullseye every time. And even when you don't, the lessons that you learned from that process, we didn't talk about that aspect of your book, (laughs) how you write down lessons learned from failures. But um, we all know that the most important thing, as you, you made a point of earlier in this conversation, is to move, to be in action, to keep going, not to seek perfection, but to be in action. And so, again, we thank you, Eric, for being on our podcast today, for allowing us to have some insights into the work, into the focus that has been a large part of your life. And we thank you for providing that in the world to us and other folks who are on this pathway to be in integrity about the time and the attention that they afford their dreams. Thank you so very much for being with us this afternoon.
1: Thank you for having me. This is an excellent show, and I really admire what you're doing to inspire people. Got
0: to do it. Got to do it. Tell our audience one more time where they can find you, where they can pick up the book.
1: www.ericmtwigs.com, The Discipline of Now, 12 Practical Principles to Overcome Procrastination.
0: And you are also available to speak to groups and to train and to tell us the other kinds of work that you do in the way of training, preparing, engaging people around principles of overcoming procrastination.
1: Yes. So people can email me at eric at ericmtwigs.com. I speak to groups. I do workshops where we get If we make it interactive. I also do keynote presentations on Mm -hmm. overcoming procrastination and productivity. In addition to coaching, I do one-on-one coaching as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So audience, listen, you don't have to look or wonder who's going to be that presenter at your next meeting, your retreat, your convention, your training. He's here. He's ready. Would love to get him in front of, of your audience. And I know he'd love to be there with you. So once again, we thank you for joining us today on the Black Life Show. Um, you've had a wonderful engagement, I hope, here with Eric Twiggs. I hope that it continues to serve your life. I, I have to tell you one thing. You know, I am grateful. I am so grateful that you listened to this podcast today. And I hope you heard something that informed and inspired your journey to live greatly. I am your sister, Dr. Mongaza, saying thank you for visioning more for yourself and for taking the actions required to craft that magnificent life. Indeed, your magnificent life. See you soon.
1: Thank you for listening to this edition of the Blacknificent Life podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our email list at www.blacknificentlife.com.
0: And whatever you do, be sure to consciously, consistently, and courageously craft your own Blacknificent life. Until next time.